as the founder and CEO of the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre in Melbourne. Khan Karapanagiotidis is best known for his work making people from other cultures feel safe and at home here in Australia. But as a young boy, growing up in a small Victorian country town, Khan was made to feel anything but... He was bullied relentlessly for his name, for his looks, for the way he talked. And now, in a new project, he's sharing the secrets of the practice that helped him survive and thrive throughout that time, cooking specifically Greek cooking. Con's new book, co-written with his mum, Sia, is called Philozentia. I don't even know, Con, you're going to have to help me. Philoxenia, a seat at my table, vegetarian and vegan Greek kitchen recipes. Con, welcome. Thank you for having me. And Sia, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. Welcome to Life Matters. Thank you. Thank you. Con, I'll go to you first. What was the inspiration for this book? I wanted to do three things. One, to share my mum's story, her recipes, our culture, and I didn't want to have the regrets that I didn't get to share those things with my dad when he was alive. So I wanted to do something special with my mum. Two, I wanted to raise money to help refugees, and so I'm donating all of my proceeds from this book. So far, $211,000 that provides a seat at the table for people seeking asylum. And three, I wanted to create a cookbook with my mum that was about the importance of compassion and welcome and kindness and about remembering, as we're all doing it tough right now, let's remember that we are part of the same community and let's create a seat at the table for everyone. And there's nothing like food being made with love. Yeah. You talk about the ferocity of your mother's love in this in this cookbook. No matter what my mum was doing, whether it was working on tobacco farms in Mount Beauty for 15-hour days or in um, terrible factories here in Melbourne, at the heart of everything was food, uh, good food, beautiful food, nourishing food. And my mum and my father always found a way to make sure that we had great food, and that was about showing their love for us and protecting us and caring for us. See, uh, I, again, I feel very honoured to be with you today because the yeah. way that your son, Con, has written about you in this book is such such deep love. But as he says, that's the way that you have expressed your love is through the making of food. Exactly. Tell yeah. us about that. When did what, your first table that you remember sitting at and the love that you were given through food? Oh, when I was a child, I remember always we have sit on the table Sunday, we have a special dinner, we have a roast. For My dad used to take a roast to the oven and we sit all next to the table and we have dinner. And as we grown to my mum, she was cook everything from the garden and always we have nice meals together. Yeah, and sitting around, shoulder sitting to around, shoulder, yeah. sharing in that food. Con mentioned your your story. It's a it's an epic one. Uh, tobacco farms. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your life growing oh, oh, up. Oh, my life. Oh, I grown in a not small, it's a big town in Greece from Peloponnesus. I grew there, and I finished school. I went some high school, but I didn't finish them. And after that, I will come to, to Australia. But when I was there, I loved cooking. Always I watched my mum, how she's cooking. And I used to have auntie. She was live not far where we live. 
and the school holidays always was gone there to play and everything. They live in a very small town, two houses. No other children. She was having three girls by that time, which was 20, 22, and I was only 10. And nothing else we do, cooking. And I watched them, you know, they have beautiful garden with water and everything. And that's all I was doing, cooking. And that's how I first led. It's almost like um, when we talk about food and that transference of knowledge from generation mm. to generation, it's almost as sacred as that transference of language con as well, isn't it? That holding culture in the way we do. Well, I think it's so easy to lose your culture in a generation. And the pressure on refugees and migrants to assimilate is so deep. And yet, along with language, food is the one thing people can take with them when they're displaced and passing that food on. Like, it's been interesting, a lot of people from the Greek Australian community are saying, uh, you're reminding me of the dishes my yaya used to make, my grandmother or my mum. I wish I had asked them at the time how they did it. And so quickly in a generation, you can all be gone. And part of what my mum and I, with this book, are trying to do is to, is to protect and preserve our culture because that is the one thing you want to pass on to every generation because it's at the heart of every culture is food, and the ritual of gathering and of coming together around a kitchen table. And how, uh, Sia, as well, the smells and the flavours can take you back home? Of course, of course. What is one of your favourite elements in your repertoire? Oh, I remember home from my hood child, yeah, my childhood. The, a lot of vegetables like beans, the yeah. beans, fresh beans from the garden with Greek olive oil. That's something you can find it here. We no, almost need to see the sparkle in your eyes, Sia, as you're describing the this. Sm- it's taking you right back. The smell. And that book, I think all the recipes, they all, like old style, they all natural. They don't have been touched, nothing, you know. And that's what I like. That book, I think, have too much information, you know. You can cook with not to spend so much money. That's the you can make beautiful food from yeah, simple products from simple with not too much ingredients. That's a reason we done that book. Con, I want to talk to you about the Asylum Seeker mm. Resource Centre because any chance we can to mm. talk about the wonderful work being done there, it's wonderful. Tell me um, about the relationship with food and the Asylum Seeker Resource mm. Centre. One of the the second program I started at the ASC was a lunch program to provide lunch. The first was a food bank because of an understanding that when you're fleeing for your life, if you don't have food security for your family, you can't get your freedom if you're simply going hungry. And what food does, I keep saying this to people, is that it humanises us. It is it is the social armour that refugees bring to this country. That is, the food is the one thing people will see and it's a way that people are able to be humanised and show their culture. And in creating that meal every day at the ACC, we have people from dozens of different countries. doesn't matter if they don't speak the same language. They will understand how to break bread together. And it's at the heart of cultural safety and welcome. You cannot have a welcoming society when people can't simply access food security. And um, at the moment, the majority of people who access our centre, despite a more compassionate government, still have no right to work, no Medicare, and all have no access to Centrelink. They are in absolute poverty and the cost of living crisis is crushing family seeking asylum and so this book is also about raising awareness about the importance of food security for all australians and the importance of everyone being able to feed their families 
And hopefully this book does some good in raising awareness around that too. It's really interesting, Con, because we've we've known you as a fierce advocate for the experience of life and living here as mm. a refugee. And, you know, looking around corners, trying to work out your motivation, of course, your family is there. Mm. But it's really interesting that this, this cookbook, these recipes have illuminated that even further. Mm. Your story of growing up and the sense of mm. finding safety with food. I'd mm. love to hear about that. Well, my mum and dad would be up at four, five in the morning. Remember, dad would be up at what, four in the morning to work on the tobacco farms. And we would get home, obviously, from, from primary school first, and I would do my best to cook some baked beans or sausages and probably burning everything from probably when I was six, seven, eight years of age. And even at that point, it was, it was learning that. And I think at a young age, my dad was quite unusual of men of that generation from any culture and that he loved to cook. And so I would watch my father in the kitchen, but I would also notice at gatherings there was always women in the kitchen doing the hard work and the men outside. And I was drawn to that. I was drawn to, you know, I come from a family of strong women from my strong mum to my strong sister to my strong partner, and I'm connected to that energy. And there's something I think we miss as men by not being in the kitchen. I think we lose so much of our chance to be vulnerable and connected to women um, and it's something very precious. You mentioned your father there as well, and he was also a keen gardener. Yeah. I think it's a really important relationship to make between food and our fingers in the earth as well, Sia. Of course, yeah. So he was uh, grow everything. Doesn't matter if dry or anything. Anything is put on the ground was grown. He was very hard worker, and he loves gardening flowers. And Sia, are you a gardener? I am, but not much. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love flowers and yeah, I love garden as my, well. My father loved beauty so much in what you could grow that he used to work in this disgusting dye wool factory in Collywood, full of asbestos, we found out in the end. And in the middle of it, he cleared all this land mm. and grew a flower garden. And the men looked at him like he was insane. The women swooned and loved it because he would cut flowers and give it to every woman there <laughs> yeah. and bring it home for my mum. But in the middle of this barren, disgusting factory was this flower bed in, because everywhere my father yeah, wanted to clean. create beauty. Yes, yeah. He loves everything to be in place, clean and beautiful. flowers and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't what stand. an incredible metaphor as well that we have all got the capacity to grow something even regardless of where we find ourselves in life. So, yeah, I'd love to know about your experience as well in this country, uh, cooking Greek food. Did you feel like you were accepted to, to celebrate your food with the broader community? Yes, I did, but I didn't find it really hard because I have family when I come here, you know. I have family and as a young girl, we all special the Fridays, we used to go from one house to the other and cook and eat. We always cook Greek food, you know. And from one house to another, you would on a Friday? On a Friday nights, yeah, after work, we used to go on all the brothers, sisters together and we cook and... Yeah, we have like something small part when we were all young at that time. Was it very competitive, Sia? Did did people want to cook, you know, uh, particular dishes to show off their style? No, not really, because we're not we cooking and we all done a share. Yeah. 
I think it was harder for my mum, but when we went to Mount Beauty, so yeah, there where my mum first came in the early twenties. Yeah, what was it like then in Mount Beauty? <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> when I left from here, I went to the small town, Mount Beauty, in the tobacco. It was a very hard time for me. I'd love to hear more about that, CEO. What was so challenging about that time? The 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 amount of work, or just not feeling that acceptance of community. No, I wasn't frightened from the work. It was completely different uh, work, but um, different people, different everything, you know, and I wasn't feel comfortable there, yeah. But after all that, I stayed 14 years there. Very hard work, and I have the kids. They're going to and school. And that was hard as well. You were raising two little kids uh, or working farm. full-time on a tobacco in farm. In the farm, in the back of the car, on the seat. <laughs> this and great empathy, um, Con, that you show the broader community mm. and lead us to all show that empathy mm. has obviously been born in seeing those 14 years, you know, of... In my, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's done a lot to Con because he saw how hard we work and my daughter as well, you know. She used to come and say, why we have so much hard work, mommy? And say, to get money. Oh, no, why are we not going to the bank to get the money? <laughs> they say, no, we have to work hard. Yeah, That's how they, they've been through, you know, and, to watch and us. From, yeah, from learn. seeing yes. and Yes, and be hard workers and very good kids. I'm so proud of them. I, I think seeing how my father works so hard and my mother... I think I come from a generation that just understands that I'm only here because of those sacrifices. And so in, uh, there's a deep sense of gratitude and perspective and recognising that in a different generation, my mum and I would be in different roles. My father would have been, you know, he was incredible. He used to do the work of 10 men. Um, Leo would be would have been a CEO of a construction company. My mum would have been the mass teacher she dreamt of being or, or a barrister. She could have been anything. And it's... It's that understanding, and that's the idea of philoxenia, uh, is at the heart of that book is to welcome the stranger and to understand that it's a lottery, your safety, your freedom, and your choices. And I think we've lost a lot of perspective and a lot of humility and gratitude around how hard so many people do it and how lucky you are to be somewhere safe and free. Because with the refugee families I work with, they are just grateful to be somewhere where they're not running for their lives every day as hard as it is, that gratitude, along with my parents' journey, grounds you very quickly every day. So, yeah, when you look at the work that your son and your daughter have done in the community, you must be bursting with pride. Yes, I am. I am very proud. That's why I support them. Whatever they do, I'm behind them all those years. And I never stop. I'm very proud. Con, you growing up, I mean, we, we tell the story of the 20s going through and and we have some sense of how difficult mm. that was for migrant families and for refugees. But, you know, generations ahead and you still encountered those experiences of feeling as an outsider mm. in your own community. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, look, I think I was an awkward teenager. I think, you know, um, country life. I had my best friend Arthur, the one of the Greek family in, the, in that town, and there were lots of good people in Mount Beauty. Don't get me wrong, but it was hard being one of only two Greek families, and you don't fit in, and you do get bullied, and you did experience racism, and it was difficult because you're you are the ethnic kid, and you're the you know in a class of Smith and Jones, you're cut up under your titties. And then 
moving here to Melbourne, went to one of the worst public schools, along with my sister in Melbourne at the time. And again, you, you know, high school's tough for young people. And I was very much an outlier. I think I got to 18 and I had very little confidence, very little self-esteem or sense of worth, despite the love and sacrifice of my parents. And I was really at a crossroads. And I think a lot of young people, I think a lot of young men, you know, one of the things I like to talk about in the book as well, is about masculinity, about um, how few spaces there are for men to actually say, I'm struggling, I'm not coping, I'm scared. And I took all that sort of, at the time, which was probably self-loathing, and I turned it into something beautiful. And I turned it into love for others. And those lessons from my mum and dad of giving it to others. And so at 18, I just started volunteering, and I took all those things that I thought were the broken parts of me, the ugly parts of me, and I found that they were the gifts in me because they were the things that gave me resilience, humility, compassion and empathy. And suddenly there I was working with homeless men three, four times my age and I could connect. There I was at 20 running support groups for male survivors of, of incest and, and child abuse at the age of 20. You know, there I was at 21 outreaching on the streets, supporting young homeless people and sex workers. I, I found a place that I made sense and I haven't looked back since. We are speaking about the absolutely exquisite cookbook. I mean, we haven't even got into the food yet, and that's the whole uh, the whole thrust of this cookbook. Uh, Con, can you say it in the beautiful way that you do the title of this book? Philoxenia, a seat at my table. A seat at my table. It is vegetarian and vegan, vegan. cooking, Sia, yes. and you are nodding enthusiastically. Has that always been the way you've cooked? Yes, always. That's yeah. all. I, I'm not a chef. I'm just cook. Last 50, 60 years of my life, I'm cooking every day. I'm sure if and we And I put all my love and nothing else. Was yeah. Con a good cook when he first started? He was all right. He was <laughs> learning. <laughs> Is this the same diplomacy that you've uh, had yeah, before? Yeah, he's better from me. Yes. <laughs> I'm not better than you, but, but she's uh, being uh, diplomatic. We did that book with a lot of love and so much uh, work as well, you know, especially me and my eyes. But when Con tell me, I say, yes, I will help. I will never say no to him. Never. Con, yeah. what a I'm lucky, very lucky. You are yeah. a lucky man. Never. Even if you take me, drag me to the, to the sea, <laughs> <laughs> me, I think you must swim. <laughs> I, I, think I'm, yeah, I have to go. Oh. And we did it. We did it in my home. It was too much. Yeah. Too much work, but it was happy because for the good cause, you know, for the refugees. It's for an incredible cause, but yeah. it's also sharing some of the most incredible. I, I, look, I look at cookbooks often mm, and I exactly. think, oh, well, I like it, but I couldn't mm. do it. This cookbook is full mm. of really practical, yeah, yeah, delicious. too much, like I tell you before, too much information, you know, a bit about gardening, a bit about leftovers, and more, more easy to cook, you know, not to. This, grams of this, gram of that. No, it's more easy. You put your body less, into it. Uh, less uh, ingredients, you know. Yeah. And all nice and healthy. Absolutely think. healthy. Healthy is one of those yeah. things that mm. when we go back, you know, to origin yeah. cookers and, and those fundamentals and sustainability, Sia, as mm. well, it's absolutely through mm. this book. You do not waste Anything. No, nothing, nothing. You always, you can find it. Like if you have vegetables, you have leftover vegetables. You just boil it and you keep it in your fridge for soups, for making stock. If you have some overripe uh, tomatoes on, from your garden and you just 
squeeze it, you know, and make it nice sauce out of that and keep it and use it after. Or ever, if you have old little bit vegetables, you don't throw it, you roast it. You roast it if you can't use it anywhere else. Just cooking is in love and imagination, I think. If you think with love and put things together and you love what you're doing, you're doing the best. I think. Oh, a seat at your table. I am very uh, pleased to come and sit down and learn yeah, how to cook at your at your feet virtually. I suppose through this book. Um, the I mean the other thing about this, as you mentioned, is that you've captured this incredible um, you know um, vestige of time mm. with your mother. What a beautiful thing to also then be able to share with a whole community. This for you as yeah. a full circle moment yeah. must be something. Incredible kind. It's it's really special. And when uh, Hardy Grant, who, who have been really supportive during this journey, my publisher, uh, talked about what did I want to do. I said I want to film it at my mum's home, and they're like, "But everything's done in studios. That's not." And we're going to make the food ourselves. And I found out that most cookbooks, the food you look at, yeah. isn't actually made by the author. It's made by mm-hmm. professional chefs. And I'm like, I want this to be about home. And they and they got it, and we're really supportive about. We want to create something that feels like you're cooking in your mum or grandmum's kitchen. And it feels like home. Well, that's the, what we did. Yeah. The, that's what we did. The, the vegetables that I use were the vegetables I grew in a garden. Like, Cut the vegetables. And it's, it's that. It's about celebrating the best of family. And it's about celebrating the idea that you can make beautiful food cheaply with things you can grow and recipes. I mean, this is the first time I've ever documented a single recipe that I've cooked. That was a whole other journey. Um, but that was the beauty of it. It feels very precious as something that hopefully can be passed on to generation to generation. We're coming to the end of our beautiful uh, morning together. Sia, have you got a favourite recipe in that book? Oh, I got another one which I never Oh, there's a secret the one oh, she wouldn't let me share. One. Do you want to tell them what no, that was? No, I'm just joking. All there of them. Was. All <laughs> there was one she wouldn't let me put in there. From the book, Mum, what's, what's your favourite? Um, I love whatever I cook, all of them. I, for a food, I like the artichokes with the broad beans. Mm. You should try that, artichokes with a lemon neck. They're beautiful. And the yemista. Eggplant, tomato, and zucchini stuff, special for the summer with feta cheese. They're beautiful. And a lot of sweets there too. I like the pastelli. Have you seen the book? Oh, I ha- oh yes. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, that's all inside in my kitchen, in the garden, not studio, nothing. So much work we've done for that book. So much we work. So much. The hands of oh, yes. love. And the house, my house destroyed. It was like a <laughs> <laughs> safe kitchen, everything on the floor and the tables. But like I say, in the end, everything was, was good. It has been an absolute pleasure, Con and Sia Karapanagiatidis are the authors of a new cookbook. It's called Philoxenia, Philoxenia. A Seat at My Table, Veg- and it's and it's out October fourth. Sorry, Mum. Philoxenia. Yeah. So, yeah. And obviously, proceeds going to the very important work of the Asylum Seeker yes. Resource Centre. Thank you both for All being our guests on Life Matters today. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.